Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth, the Lord God of heaven has given me. And he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is among you of all his people? May his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is God, which is in Jerusalem. And whoever is left in any place where he dwells, let the men of his place help him with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, besides the freewill offerings for the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. Verse 5. Then the heads of the fathers' houses of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites, with all those with all whose spirits God had moved, arose to go up and build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. And all those who were around them encouraged them with articles of silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with precious things, besides all that was willingly offered. King Cyrus also brought out the articles of the house of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had taken from Jerusalem and put in the temple of his gods. And Cyrus, king of Persia, brought them out by the hand of Mithridath, the treasurer, and counted them out to Sheshbazar, the prince of Judah. This is the number of them, 30 gold platters, 1,000 silver platters, 29 knives, 30 golden basins, 410 silver basins of a similar kind, and 1,000 other articles. All the articles of gold and silver were 5,400. All these Sheshbazar took with the captives who were brought from Babylon to Jerusalem. You may be seated. Lord, we pray as we just study your word that you would give us your word, Lord, and give us ears to hear what you are saying to us tonight, meeting us right where we're at. Lord, to rebuild the things in our lives that have been destroyed. Lord, that rust has got on and is eating away. I pray that you'd minister to us, Lord. Fill us with your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as we look at this, we notice right away that verse 1 starts off with saying that King Cyrus of Persia, it was, he was stirred by God and that this was a fulfillment of prophecy from the book of Jeremiah. Well, I want you guys to turn in your minds to Jeremiah chapter 25, okay? You don't have to turn there, but it's where God is promising or is prophesying about a 70-year captivity for the children of Israel. And you ask, why? Why did God punish them for 70 years? Well, he gave them a command early on in Leviticus chapter 25, and he said, hey, every seventh year you give the land rest. From all your toil of the six years, give it a year of rest. Well, for 490 years, they didn't do that. Now, God is a very good accountant. And he's, he does cross his T's and he does dot his I's. And if you haven't noticed it already in your own life, he will chasten those who he loves. And he loves the children of Israel. And he loves us. 
So they paid for every year, seven times 70, which is 490. They paid for all of them in captivity in Babylon. And so this moment is approximately 70 years after they went to captivity. This is the fulfillment of Jeremiah 25. Now, we see God stirring Cyrus's heart. And for a moment, I want to take a step back and kind of see why God is doing this process to Cyrus and also to the heads of the tribes of Judah and Benjamin. Uh, the best example that God gave me is, is rust. And I work with heavy equipment, okay? And you can appreciate it. If, you know, Pastor Jerry works with metal. Those of you who have seen metal, has everybody seen metal? Okay, good. Uh, you notice that it rusts fast and it rusts easy. Things break down. Our body decays. This building one day will not look like this. Your cars one day will not run. Your bodies one day will not run. Things don't stand forever apart from the word of God. And so as they break down and God has put this thing into, you know, our, our universe, I mean, he's put this law, this law of entropy that things set in motion. They're, they're going to be set in this motion Things, uh, I believe it says that in a state of disorder will continue to get in greater disorder. And they're not going to get more ordered until he comes back and he orders everything. But things decay, they break down. And, you know, you can get a brand new clean 10-yard bucket on a 972 H-loader, cat. Uh -huh. And you can go pick up a huge pile and then drop it in the back of a truck and walk out and look in that bucket and it's clean, fresh steel. And it looks good. You could probably put food on it. It's so clean. I'm not kidding you. Unless the dirt was too wet by the water truck driver. Okay, so it's clean. Now, you go out there day two. Maybe a little mist was in the morning. You look at that bucket and there is already rust. The day after... And so I want to translate that into our lives. Guys, if we stop building, we will decay. We will get broken down. God has put this desire in us. He has stirred us up like he stirred Cyrus to build because things get broken. And unless we're in that constant state of building and recognizing that God is the initiator and it's not us. If we're not doing that, we will break down. Church can become a social group. Church can become where you just want to go see your friends. Where you want to go hang out. Yeah, worship's cool. They can play well. Yeah, Pastor Brian speaks the word of God good. But I really just, you know, go there to hang out. Or maybe being a Christian in your workplace has just become mundane. Maybe it's, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm working and, and then if 
if I get a chance to minister, I will. Instead of, I'm going to work for ministry. That's why. Or maybe your marriage will just be, well, you know, we signed a legal document. We said some vows to one another. And, and we're going to live the best we can with the kids that God gave us, you know, in, until we go to heaven. But God has given you a marriage to be a model of him and his church. And to give you an opportunity to present your bride one day spotless and blameless, washed by the water of the word one day to him. We have to be building. We have to be building our spiritual lives. We have to practically be building. A man plans his steps, but the Lord directs his path. I don't know about you, but I've always got the next thing on my mind that I want to do. Are you guys like that? Like your, your clock just ticks like that? Okay, I, I, I kind of have this idea, this vision, and okay, that's what I want to do. I have a shirt design. I get a new shirt design like every other week. You guys like that? No? Nobody designed shirts in their head? Okay. It's a process of building. Yeah, Frank does. Okay, good. <laughs> the decree began with God, and he stirred Cyrus's heart. Let's look at this word stirred, okay? Immediately, I just think of this like wooden spoon and a big, huge cake, right? But it's not really like that. This word means to be raised up. It means to be awoken. And so God woke up Cyrus, and he woke him up to build. So tonight, I want to ask you a question. Do you know that you've been sleeping in any way? Do you know that you've been sleeping? Because all of us have been sleeping. None of us are this perfect building machine for the kingdom of God every single day. In one area of your life, you've been sleeping. For some of us, it's more areas than one. (laughs) But God's calling us today through the book of Ezra, to wake up and to be raised up. God raised up this man to give a written decree to go back and build. And I thought, why? This is no advantage to him. None. Cyrus doesn't profit from this at all. Why would a man issue a king Issue a decree of the most powerful government in the world. So people can leave his place and go build another place, not for his profit. Why? Answer, because God stirred his heart. It doesn't make sense when God calls you to do something, sometimes. You know, I met this this guy, uh, Eric, today. I went to study at Starbucks for tonight's study. And I didn't have I didn't have any time. I just I just wanted to go there. I was completely covered in mud and I just wanted to go there and, and just read a little bit and then, you know, put the finishing touches on. And then God stopped me with Eric. And Eric was, you know, like this six foot five African American athletic, good looking, homeless guy. And he was just sitting outside of Starbucks. And I'm in Riverside and I'm in an area where there's a lot of homeless people. And I see him 
And he's kind of just like twirling his bracelets and just kind of like checking, you know, just kind of like rubbing his skin like this. And I'm kind of thinking, hmm, I wonder if that guy's homeless because he kind of looked half homeless and half not. I didn't know. And right away, as I'm hurrying in to go, you know, do my studying, right, I, I get going and uh, Eric stops me and he says, hey, can you, uh, can you bless a brother? <laughs> I said, I said, uh, how? And he goes, can you buy me a shirt? There's a Kmart right across the street. Can you buy me a shirt? You know what? My shoes are worn out. There's holes in the bottom of me. Lifts them up. Size 15 shoes, by the way. He puts the bottom up. There's holes in it. Can you get me some shoes? And I thought, whoa, Lord, I'm going to get this guy a new wardrobe. And I said, and I was still so like, uh, I don't know. I was in denial. Like, is this guy want to use my money, you know, for something? He wants a shirt. That's not using my money. Why isn't he asking me for money so I can say no because you're going to buy drugs? And so I'm fighting this war in my mind and I'm wondering, is this guy stay out here all the time? Is this the way he lives? I, come on, I don't, I don't know. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go in. I'm going to set my stuff down. I'll come right back out. I went in and, and God's like, you need to write out John 3.16, John 3.17, and you need to give him the money in your wallet. And he's, you know, he's going to go buy stuff. I'm not going to tell you if it's clothes or what, but he's going to go do it. He needs it. So I went out and I go, I go, here you go. Here's, here's my cash. And here's, you know, here's a, a verse from the Bible. Have you read this before? He took one glance at it and he goes, John 3.16, right? Come on. It's not so impressive because a lot of people know it. And I said, I go, do you believe that? And he goes, And he didn't answer. I go, what's your name? He said, Eric. I said, how did you get like this? He said, oh, my mom, she kicked me out when I was like 15. Never wanted me back. I just want to play basketball again, man. I just want to play basketball. And he looked in shape. He looked like super good looking too. You know, like those African-American guys with those striking blue or green eyes, you know? And he had this, like, curly, like, and I was like, man. And he goes, well, you know, that's how it is. It's how I live. And I thought, you know, as a child of God, I've never been hungry. And I've always, always had clothes. And so I felt compelled to tell him the promises of God and how he will fulfill his promise if we put our faith and our trust in him. And I said, Eric, if you put your faith and your trust in God, he will clothe you. He will feed you. And he looked up with me or at me with teary red eyes and he just kind of stared at me and just kind of nodded. And I didn't know where to go with it, you know, because he's just, he's just a homeless young guy I said how old are you he said i'm 24 i just want to go back to school want to play basketball that was what he kept saying and god stirred my heart 
to help him in a little way. But God stirred my heart to give him the promise that he gave all of us. And in this first verse, God fulfills his promise. This is it. 70 years are over. They're going to return. So if you're in that moment where you doubt a little bit of God's word in your life, don't anymore. Know that he will fulfill his promise. He will fulfill it. So God stirred his heart. Has God stirred yours? Maybe, but maybe you ignored his voice. Maybe he has in the past, but after storms came, you didn't rebuild. You didn't listen. Or maybe you did it kind of, but not everything that he wanted you to do. Or maybe he hasn't yet and he's preparing you for when he does. The question is, is how do you know God is stirring you? Well, there's a great example here and also in the New Testament. We see that God stirs Cyrus, but he doesn't stop there. In verse 5, he also stirs the spirit. He moved, he arose them to go up and build the house. Who? The heads of the father's houses. It's this twofold stirring. The government of Persia stirred. Go, build, here's everything you need, go. Not to my advantage, because God said. And then here's this other stirring, oh, there's workers, there's people to do it. They're stirred, they're motivated, they're gone, go, build. And we see this example in the New Testament. We see it with Cornelius and Peter. And so how do you know it's God's voice? Well, Cornelius is this, devout man who's praying and this angel comes to him and he's frightened it's like, Ugh. and the angel says hey you know send these men to go meet peter and then peter is given a vision and he's like <laughs> the vision is saying hey this is what i'm gonna do and when i do it you know, this is what's going to happen. Remember the sheet that says, you know, it shows all the animals on it, I believe. And, and he says, rise, Peter, go, or kill and eat. And Peter's like, what? Never. I've never eaten anything common or unclean. And this is revelation for Peter. And so if you're wondering, oh, man, I can think of a few things. I know God's stirring me. I wonder if it's really his voice or if it's just me. Well, just by practical application, maybe other things around you have been stirred also. You know, for example, like the the garage. The Lord gave me a vision and he said, you know, do this. Okay, well, I, okay, prayed with a few guys. Then all of a sudden, Behind the scenes, other men, are their, their hearts are getting stirred to build. My heart's already stirred, and then it starts happening. And you're like, okay, I know that's God. That has to be God. So keep listening to God's voice and keep hearing from him because maybe he's stirring you now in preparation for something coming 
where other men, other women have been stirred for the same thing, to accomplish it. And I like what we read in Acts chapter 10. Why don't you guys turn there? It's the story of Cornelius and Peter. Acts chapter 10. We see there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man. Look at verse 2. A devout man, one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. There's a certain kind of character to the man that God speaks to and the man that God stirs. This is not a fool. He doesn't say in his heart that there is no God. He is a devout man. And he has the fear of God in him. So are you a devout man and do you have the fear of God in you? And he gave alms generously. And he prayed to God. And I thought, man, am I that man? I'm not that man. There's a lot of times I'm not that man. Because I don't give as generously as I can. And I don't always pray. In fact, I don't set time apart each day to pray. And those things are important for a man to hear from God. God spoke to this man in a vision. I want to see an angel, I want to be scared. <laughs> I want to say, I'm, I'm frightened. Lord, what do you want me to do? Man, this is awesome. I'm being used by you. So how do we sharpen ourselves as tools? Well, the stirring comes from God. We know that. But let us continue to be devout men. Men who seek after God. Not the things of this world. What would it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? And let us continue in prayer and make a time for prayer. You know, when, when my marriage begins to kind of break down and I see like these arguments and I'm going, man, what's going on? I need to get right. What do I do? Or what do you do? We make time for our wives again, right? We make time to go on a date. We make time to return to our love. And then everything gets better. And then we forget about it. <laughs> and then it starts getting... And we're like, whoa! Man, I gotta make this a point. This needs to be in the schedule. More importantly with God. He needs to be scheduled in. He needs to be scheduled in for prayer. Just... You know, just before service, Ted prayed for me. And I thought, I felt like uh, the Hulk. <laughs> I felt like the scientist going to like the Hulk. And I, I felt like, whoa. You know, it was a moment of just, I'm getting prayed for. You know, let's pray for each other. You know, after we get done studying, let's pray for each other. Just how good it feels to be prayed for and to be encouraged. Hopefully you feel like the Hulk too. <laughs> Notice that the stirring was also uncomfortable. 
Let's not think that the stirring always has to be magical. Okay, Lord, you've stirred me to create a new church building. Here I go. What about if he is forcing you not to work? What? And he's moving you to another place of employment. Whoa. Maybe he's stirring up things in your household to get your house in order. Look at this. I mean, this is, the, this is so awesome how God works. My dad just got approved for full-time disability for the rest of his life. Just this last week. We had breakfast together, and God showed me his house is finally in order. I told him that, and he just started weeping, and he weeps all the time now. But he says, he just started crying, and I said, Dad, your house is in order. It's in order. And he goes, yes, yes, right? Man, I totally forgot what I was going to say. The stirring can be uncomfortable. What was the uncomforting thing in that household? Well, my brother and his girlfriend weren't married, and they have a daughter, and they're all living together. And it's just this house of like, whoa, I'm a Christian. You say you're a Christian. Who's a Christian? Are we all Christians? (laughs) And then, boom, my dad got his heart stirred. And so he's like, I'm bringing the gun. Some people are getting married. You're going to get married, you're out. Marriage happened. Blessing happened. (laughs) Boom, in order. Set in order the things that are lacking in your life. God is stirring you for a reason, and don't think it's all glitz and glamour, fireworks go off, it's going to be perfect. It could be uncomfortable stirring, but it's still his work. It's an uncomfortable stirring for his plan. Man. This kind of looks like an uncomfortable stirring. These guys have been in captivity for 70 years. What? We get to go back. We get to rebuild. Wow. Jonah was like that. He didn't want to do it, and God had a plan, and then uncomfortable stirring. (laughs) Hey. He tried to run, uncomfortable stirring. You're going to go. You're going to do it. I began a work in you, and I'm going to be faithful to complete it. And so we look at chapter 1, and we see that God stirred Cyrus. He fulfilled prophecy. We know that his word will come true in his time. We also know that he stirred the hearts of the people to build. And as we take a look in other studies of this book, we're going to see how this building process unfolded. You know, Ezra doesn't even come in until chapter 7. So don't think we're going to be reading about Ezra yet. (laughs) We're going to learn this process of God building. And real quick, the next time we meet, it's going to be according to our availability. And we're going to see what that means. We're going to see how God can use us because of our availability. But tonight, I want you guys to be encouraged that if God has stirred you in any way to do something for his kingdom, but you're too busy, 
go for it. Because it's our reasonable service to offer our bodies as a sacrifice for God. And if I got to sacrifice a little bit of cash in my wallet and time to write a note, man, that's weak. (laughs) That's weak. If God is stirring you to do something and you know you got to do it, there's an area in your life you have to rebuild because the rust has come in and it's eaten that metal and the metal doesn't look shiny anymore, then let's build. Let's rebuild. Let's restore. And let's move forward in the plan that God has for us. But not forsaking being devout men who are in prayer. Let's take time to pray, guys. I'm preaching to myself. I've been witnessing to the guys more and more at work now. You know, we have this closer relationship. Most of them, you know, are, I would say, you know, more than an acquaintance and kind of like friends. You know, we don't hang, but still, you know, share conversation. And the mechanic guy, he gets out of his truck and, and the Lord's like, you need to talk to Danny. Don't, don't wait any longer. You need to talk to Danny. I go, all right, here we go. And I don't know what it is. It's, it's like the verse I need to repeat to myself, Romans 1.16, I think it is. And it says, don't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God to salvation. And I said, I can't even remember what I said. Danny asked me a question and uh, I said, oh, um, yeah, I'll be going to, to church. Oh, you're a church guy? And I said, yeah. I said, you believe, you believe the Bible, man? And he, go, he, look, he immediately, it's like this sobering moment. He looked towards the front of the truck, some of it. Like God like caught him. He went from being like a cocky, kind of like smart guy, but he's cool, but he always jabs at you. And then he goes, some of it. And I was like, oh. And then he immediately turned to me, and I didn't say anything. He goes, don't preach at me. Don't be a preacher. I said, oh, well, I play the cajon in the church band. How, for a second, I got ashamed that I'm a preacher. I told that to my wife. I said, babe, I just lied. I told the guy I was a drummer. Because for a moment, he said, don't preach at me. And I got ashamed of preaching. And I'm a preacher. I went, whoa. She looked at me before I left to here. And she's like, well. (laughs) I got to go tell Danny I'm a preacher. Danny, I won't preach to you, but I'm a preacher. And I told him that. You know, oh, I play the, you know, the cajon, but I'm, you know, I won't preach to you. I got to go back. God stirred my heart to go talk to Danny about him. And there's something in Danny that God has put there. And it's like this little seed that needs to be watered more. You know, some of it. Some of it. Man, that's an honest answer. Some of it. Another guy says, don't talk to me about that stuff. That's a, that's a serious conversation, man. And I said, I was just seeing, you know. Look, man, 
Guys that go to jail like me, when they hit the gate, they forget about God. I don't do that. I'm not going to believe in him till I meet him. I said, whoa. All right. Just, just seeing what you believe. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and then we joke around. But there's little touches. So I'd encourage you guys so I don't keep you too long. Be faithful to how God is stirring your heart. Each one of us. And let's pray and ask God what he wants to do to use us to rebuild. How he wants to use us to build in our lives. Because no matter what, things are decaying. They are getting broken down. The termites are eating them. The wood is rotting. Satan is on the attack. Let's build. Let's move forward. Let's not stay the same because you're going to get weathered. The rigs that sit there the longest, as soon as somebody starts them up, a hose blows. The glass kind of breaks because it's been oxidized and weakened. But that old rig that gets used every day, it works. It looks bad, but it works. Let's keep going. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. And we pray, Lord, that you would stir us up again. Awaken us, Lord, the spirit that you've put in us. And that desire, God, to to build. Lord, you said that you made us in your image and your likeness. And Lord, in the scriptures, it's a threefold image, threefold likeness. So help us to be the creation that you made us, Lord. Having that desire to create because you love to create. Lord, we pray that in our hearts, those things that you've spoken to us tonight, that we'd really just lay hold of them, finally. Lord, that we'd move forward and upward in the call that you have on our lives. As men who are ahead of our households. And Lord, as we put that plow to the ground and it gets dull because we're using it, Lord, sharpen us. Sharpen us in your word. Sharpen us in prayer and help us to commit. In your precious name, Jesus, amen.